My name's John Redmond. I'm the associate pastor at First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas, and I want to thank you for joining us today on Peace by Believing. On today's program, we're going to be thinking about three sure ways to miss heaven. Now, nobody wants to miss heaven. At least I don't think they do. I've talked to a lot of people through the years, and I have never met anybody who didn't want to go to heaven. We all want to go to heaven when we die. But the fact is, not everybody's going to heaven. Some people will end up in a place called hell. And so we want to think about that today on our program, Three Sure Ways to Miss Heaven. My father, Charles Redmond, who's the senior pastor of our church, is going to be doing the preaching for us today. And uh, when he preached this sermon in our church not too long ago, it was a real blessing. Several made their decisions for the Lord, and they were saved. In fact, I can remember at the end of this sermon, he gave the invitation, and I was uh, one of the minister standing at the head of one of those aisles and a lady came down on about about midway through the song that we were singing and she said John I don't want to miss heaven and so she prayed at the altar of our church and asked Jesus Christ to come into her heart and be her Lord and to be her Savior and I saw her again that night at church and she was just so happy that she had settled that and made her peace with God and placed her faith in Jesus and she knew for sure that she was going to heaven. You know, the fact is you can miss a lot of things in life. You can miss a doctor's appointment, you can miss a meal, you can miss a meeting, you can miss a haircut, you can miss a flight. You can miss a lot of things and make those things up. But if you die without Christ and miss heaven, you can't make that up. And so I pray today that this sermon will be a blessing to you. If you have your Bible, I would encourage you to open it to the Gospel of John in chapter number one. That's what my dad's going to be teaching from today. And I just hope and pray that this sermon will be a real blessing to you. I want to talk this morning about three sure ways to miss heaven. You say, well, boy, I don't want to hear about those. Well, I think you will, because I'm believing that people that hear the message today, there'll be those that say, you know what? I thought one of those was the way to heaven. I thought that was really my kind of assurance blanket. Look with me in John chapter 1. I'm going to begin in verse 6 in a moment. Now, let me remind you, between the end of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament, there are 400 years called the silent years. Now, what that means is in those 400 years, not one word from God through one of his prophets to anybody. 400 silent years. And then what happens? Look in John chapter 1, verse 6. The Bible says there was a man sent from God whose name was John. This is talking about John the Baptist. Now, The apostle John wrote, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the gospel of John. But when you read the gospel of John, anytime you read the name John, it speaks of John the Baptist. The apostle never mentions his name in his book. John the Baptist, you read about him like in Matthew chapter 3, verse 1, identifies him as John the Baptist. He went about baptizing all the people for repentance of their sins. 
And if you want to read about his identity, probably the Gospel of Luke would be the best of the Gospels to read about that. In the Gospel of John, we read not only about his function, his purpose, and we see it in the very next verse, verse 7. said, this man, that is John the Baptist, came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. In other words, through the message that he was preaching. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. Talking about Jesus. Now, in verse 11, it says, Jesus came to his own. And his own did not receive him. Now, pause a moment. The word own, O-W-N, occurs twice in this verse. The first time, it's neuter. It's, that, that is, it speaks of a place. The second use of the word own is masculine. It speaks of a people. In other words, Jesus came to a place, Jerusalem. <laughs> but the people in Jerusalem did not receive him. Well, you know, we speak sometimes about a city being a wicked city. There's no such thing as a wicked city. It's wicked people that live in the city. The city's not wicked. It's the people that are wicked. Now, wicked things may go on in the city, but it's the people doing the wicked things. Well, a sermon for another time. I must move on. Verse 12. But, now look at this, very important verse. As many as received Jesus, him, to them he gave the right, better translation, authority, to become the children of God to those who believe in his name, who were born, verse 13, big verse, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. If you'll take your bulletin, let's just begin this morning, look at the very first thing. Number one, Believing that you will go to heaven because you have Christian parents. Fill in those two words. Is a sure way to miss heaven. Now, if you grew up with Christian parents, you are very blessed. Or even if you just had one Christian parent, you're very blessed. Many of you have shared with me that you did not grow up in a Christian home. Well, uh, Somehow, some way, God brought people in your life, whoever, whatever, to help you at that point. But the fact of the matter is there's something very, very important in this verse, and we see it in the little phrase, and I wish you'd underline it, who were born not of blood, not of blood. In other words, uh, salvation does not pass down to the children through the blood of their parents. You go back in verse 12, it says, As many as received him, to them he gave the authority to become the children of God to those who believe in his name, who were born, how? Not of blood. That is, it did not pass down. Salvation does not work that way. It is just not true. And two things here very quickly to consider. First, you're not saved because your parents were saved. And many people don't understand that. There are so many people, I've met them myself. My years in 
Hopkins County in East Texas. You know, you could just about talk to anybody in Hopkins County about church, about like, have you made peace with God? And the conversation would invariably by so many would end something like, well, yes, my grandmother was so active out in the church in Como, or my grandfather was over in Brashear, or they, they just, the idea that everybody that had anybody in their family kinship was active in some church somewhere that made them a Christian. Well, that is just not true. And, and so, so I say to you, if you had Christian parents, don't fall into the untrue belief that because your parents were Christian, that, that makes you a Christian. That is a sure way to miss heaven. The other thing to consider is, is don't for a moment, if you have children, especially young children, don't ever think that because you are a Christian, that that makes them a Christian. You say, oh, I raised them in a Christian home. Well, that's wonderful. And I did the best I knew how to do, and that'd be true. But the fact is, that does not make them a Christian. I, I would encourage every Christian parent, whatever age your children are, if, if your children are not saved, two or three things. If they're small children, listen carefully. Teach them about God every opportunity you have. Teach them about God. At best, at the church, an hour a week, two hours a week, not every week. That just can't do it. You are the key. Teach your children about God at every opportunity. Number two, pray for your children and the grandchildren. Pray for the grandchildren to be saved. And oh, so many of you are praying for your children. I receive emails asking me, Pastor, we see you're going to be praying for our family on such and such a day. Our children, we raise them. They're, no lo- they're grown. They're married. They have children. Our grandchildren, they have nothing to do with church. Our grandchildren are growing up, not knowing about God. Pray for them. I do. But listen, you pray for them. You pray for them. And then number three, especially when our children are young, use those rare teachable moments that come to tell those children about the Lord. I'm telling you, you never know what those seeds planted will mean. We had our little grandchildren spent a Friday night with us on Saturday. And uh, uh, late yesterday afternoon before their parents were going to pick them up, we were, we were playing some little game with them. And it was about time to wrap it all up and get them ready to be picked up. And I just felt impressed to do something. I said, hey, guys, before you leave, I want to show you something. And I said, let me show you my prayer book. I said, I've never shown you guys this. And I went over, my little briefcase was right there by the door, and I knew right where it was. And I I got it out, and I said, now, this is my prayer book. It's new for 2018. But I said, here's what I want to show you. In this, every day, I pray for you. Here's your names right here. I showed it to them. And I said, this is what I pray for you. And I told them, I said, I pray about six or seven things every day for you. And one of them is I pray at a young age, you'll become a Christian. And I just want you to know. And it's interesting when I shared that, I thought I was, you know, had them right in my palm of my hand. I won't say which one said, Pop, Graham's prayer book's much bigger than yours. Why? And I said, well, Graham just does better or something. I don't know what I said, but I thought, you know, 
Maybe, they, maybe I didn't get the message across. I, I share that with you not to say, hey, look what I do. I'm saying this to you folks. If you're not praying for your children, your grandchildren, you need to be. Could I have an amen to that? Don't, not because I do it, but because the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. It makes a difference. Now, will they be saved at a young age? I don't know. I don't want to talk them into that. Maybe God will draw them to himself when they're teenagers. I don't know. Adults, I don't know. But there's nothing wrong with saying, God, if it would be, would you save these little children while they're young age? Understanding, yes. But understand this. Believing that you will go to heaven because you have Christian parents is a sure way to miss heaven. Now, number two, and jot it down if you will. Believing that you have the power to be saved in your own flesh is a sure way to miss heaven. And we see that in verse 13. Look at it again. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh. Hear me. Your flesh, you do not have the power in your flesh to go to heaven. Because in your flesh, now I'm talking about before a person is born, in their human flesh, <laughs> There is no spiritual power, first of all, and they will give little, if any, thought to heaven, being saved, or much of anything spiritual. And yet somehow we think we have this power in us that we can just, uh, you know, decide kind of when to be saved. And I'm saying to you, we cannot, a person cannot say, like, let's say tomorrow, Monday, or say, okay, I think next Sunday I'll go down to church and be saved. You don't have that power to do that. Then it's not how it works. You, you could say, I'm going out to church next Sunday and come for my baptism or join the church. But you're, you do not possess the power to do that. That comes from the Holy Spirit of God. You're in John 1. Turn over in John chapter 6 very quickly and look with me in verse 44. Here's why you do not. Here's what must happen. John chapter 6, verse 44, Jesus said, no one can come to me, that's Jesus, unless the Father, that's God the Father, who sent me draws him. You see, the thought may come, but it's the Holy Spirit of God that puts the thought. You do not have the power within yourself to be saved. And many times people, you know, we just become so convinced we can do anything. Well, here's something you cannot do. Number three thing, jot this down. Believing another person can save you is a sure way to miss heaven. We see it in verse 13. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man. See, no matter how sincere I am about our grandchildren being saved, no matter how sincere Dottie and I were about both of our sons being saved. <laughs> no matter how anxious we might have been. The fact of the matter is, we can't do that. You can't do that. The church can't do that. No, no. A preacher cannot do that. Um, it, it's just, regardless of how sincere and how honest a person is. And this is exactly what this verse says, nor of the will of man. The church can't save anybody. When you teach people, when we baptize your child into the church, 
beautiful as that is, but here's how it works out. Years later, this little baby is now grown, and somebody talks to them about being a Christian, and they say, oh, I, I was baptized as an infant. They honestly believe. Look, that's non-believer's baptism. A baby can't believe that. And they grow up thinking that was the deal. Or we in our church thinking, well, the deal is if you'll join the church, if you'll be saved. Or if you go up and be baptized in the water, you'll be saved. No, it's the blood of Jesus Christ that saves. It, it's not any of this religion that saves. It is a person. And his name is Jesus. And so this, oh, this is a, you know, we can be wrong on a lot of things in life. We want to be right. We all do. But people hear me this morning. Don't you ever, don't you, here's something you can't be wrong on, your eternity, your soul. When you die, and you will, your soul is going somewhere. Now, we don't like to think about that. Oh, dying, I'm trying to live. We all are. We all are. But no matter how much we do to try to live, we are finally going to die if Jesus tears. And out of this body is coming our soul, and our soul is going somewhere for eternity. So it matters. You do not want to miss heaven. And here in one verse, three sure ways to miss heaven. Now here's, here's the question. How then can you be saved? How then can you know that you won't miss heaven? Interesting. Last three words in the same verse answer the question. But of God. That's how you know. The Bible says God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And then look in verse 12. Here's how, here's how we can know. Verse 12 says, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God to those who believe. So you believe and then you receive. Well, this topic that we're dealing with today is without a doubt the most important topic in all the world, and that is how to go to heaven when we die. And today my dad shared the three ways that a person can miss heaven. And I'm afraid that many people are going to miss heaven because of one of these ways. First, People will miss heaven because they were trusting in their parents, their heritage, the fact that they were raised in a Christian home, the fact that they've been going to church all of their lives. They're trusting in that. And some of these people, if you ask them, are you a Christian? Oh, yes, I'm a Christian. And you say, well, when did you become a Christian? They say, well, you know, I've always been a Christian. I've grown up in the church. There was a preacher who lived a long time ago named Vance Havner. And Vance Havner used to say it like this, if you are what you've always been, you're not a Christian. And that is so very true. None of us are born as Christians. We have to be born again. We have to be born into the family of God. 
And some people, they don't understand that. And they just think since they've grown up in a Christian home, going to church, that they're all right with God. But that's just not true. That's the first way to miss heaven. Just depend on your Christian upbringing or your Christian heritage. The second way to miss heaven is to depend on your own holiness, your own goodness. Just the idea that, you know what? I do the best I can. I try to live by the Ten Commandments. I try to abide by the golden rule. I try to be honest. I try to be good to people. And, you know, and I'm probably better than the average person out there. I think a lot of people think that as long as their good deeds outweigh their bad deeds, that one day when they die, God's going to just open up the gates of heaven and say, come on in. But if you think about it, if a person went to heaven based on their own goodness, for all eternity, they would just be patting themselves on the back and saying, man, I sure did well to get up here. But the fact is, none of us is going to heaven because of our own goodness. The Bible says, in fact, that our righteousness, our righteous acts are like filthy rags in the eyes of God. In fact, it also says in the Bible that there's none righteous, no, not one. No one is, is really good. We've all sinned and we've fallen short of the glory of God. And yet some people can't see their own sin. All they can see are the sins of others. And when they look at their own lives, they think, well, I'm better than him. I'm better than her. And so one day I'm going to go to heaven. If you think about it, they're just trusting their own holiness, their own righteousness, their own good life. And they're not going to go to heaven if that's what they're depending on. And then I think there are some people, the third way to miss heaven is to trust somebody else to do something for you that is somehow going to qualify you to go to heaven. And that could be a lot of things. Maybe a pastor has prayed over you, or maybe a, a minister has baptized you, or maybe you were baptized as a baby or dedicated as a child, and you think, well, I've done that. I've been through that ritual. I've, I've checked that off the list. And so because this pastor, this priest, or this somebody did something for me, uh, one day I'm going to go to heaven. And the, the Bible says, no, there's not a thing in the world that I can do for you to make it where you can go to heaven. And there's not something that anybody else can do for me to make it where I can go to heaven except for Jesus. He's the only one. And he died on that cross. He paid for our sins. The Bible teaches that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That includes, I mean, all is a little word, but it, en it encompasses everybody. We're all included in that word. And in order to be saved, we have to... Ask Jesus Christ, who died on that cross, who was buried, who rose again three days later, ascended back to the Father. One day he's coming back to earth. We have to ask Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins. We invite him to come into our hearts, and we ask him to save us and to make us a Christian. And after we've asked him to do that, we trust him. We depend on him. We count on him to do what we have asked him to do. And so I guess as we come to the end of our program today, the, the pertinent question is this, what are you trusting to get you into heaven? If you were to die today and stand before God and God were to say to you, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? However you would answer that question reveals what you're trusting to get you to heaven. If you would say, well, God, I've just grown up in the church I've grown up in a Christian home. That, that's, that reveals that's what you're trusting. If you say, God, I've tried to be good, that reveals what you're trusting. If you say, God, I've been baptized, I've been dedicated, I, I, so that, that means that's what you're trusting in. But the only way to go to heaven is to put your trust in Jesus Christ. 
His blood shed on the cross for you. If I were to die today and stand before God and God were to say to me, John, why should I let you into heaven? You know what I would say to God? I would say, God, I have sinned many times in my life. I'm truly sorry for those sins, but I have asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart to forgive my sins and make me a Christian. I am trusting Jesus. I am trusting his blood to wash my sins away. And when I say that to God, God would say to me, and God will say to me one day, welcome home. You're trusting Jesus. That's all I've ever asked you to do. And because you're trusting in him, I have forgiven your sins. Heaven is your home. Come on in and be with me. And so if you are trusting in anything other than Jesus today, I want to help you to transfer your trust from that to the person of Jesus Christ. Would you pray this prayer? Lord Jesus, right now, I ask you to come into my heart, forgive my sins, and make me a Christian. I ask you to save me. And I trust you and you alone to do it. Welcome to my heart. Thank you that you'll never leave me. In your name I pray. Amen. And friend, if you've prayed that prayer, the Lord has heard you. He has answered your prayer today. Your faith is now in Jesus. It's not in anything else. I would encourage you to visit our website, peacebybelieving.org. There are helpful resources there. And I hope you'll be with us next time.